Okay, it's uh, a great joy for me to be able to introduce Shagan to you. Shagan leads uh, the King's Church in Epsom. Uh, it's a church that believes in the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ to transform lives. If you look on their website, you'll see Shagan. That's what he says right at the very beginning. And so we're anticipating this morning as Shagan comes to preach the next in our series about our God who is glorious, about the holiness of God. We are expecting God to speak to us through his word and through his word to transform our lives that we might be more like Jesus. And so it's a great joy for us to have you here with us, Shagan. Let's give him a really warm hand. Good morning. Uh, thank you so much for, for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you here, to worship with you. I love a church that loves to, to worship God. And we can't do enough of it, can we? And um, our whole life is about worship. And before I bring greetings, I just want us to continue uh, in that. If you're able to, can you just rise and and let's just focus our attention on this great, amazing God that we've come here to serve. Uh, this great God who's put breath in our lungs this morning that we are awake and we can move our hands and our legs. It's, it's a wonderful thing. And sometimes we take those things for granted. And again, just, I want you to just come and say, God, thank you for my life. Thank you for my family. I don't know what's going on in your life, but whatever it is, there is still one or two things to give thanks to God for. So why don't you lift up your hands and just let's worship God together and give him praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We bless you. We give you praise. We honor you. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for this time. Thank you for our lives. Thank you for our churches. Thank you for our families. Thank you for our nation. Thank you for our world. We know that you're involved and you're very much in control. And I just want to bless you this morning and I want to sing to you and worship you. Hallelujah. Uh, if you know the song, you can sing with me. If you don't, just, just worship God. All hail the power of Jesus' name, let angels prostrate fall, bring forth the royal diadem and crown him, Lord God of all, bring forth the royal diadem and crown him, Lord of all. In our hearts we crown you. In this place, we crown you. 
In our world, we crown you. You are the Lord all by yourself. There is no kind of you that exists anywhere. You're all by yourself, unique, wonderful, amazing, holy, holy, Lord God Almighty. We give you all the praise this morning. And as we go into your word, we pray, please open our hearts to comprehend your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you feel like, just give a round of applause to this amazing God who we serve. Hallelujah. He's a good God. He's a good God. Amen. My, my name is Shagan. I, I come from Nigeria originally. Been in the UK just over 18 years. Uh, my boy was only uh, two and a half when, when we came. He's 21 now. Uh, he's come with me. I remember... <laughs> I remember those days when you, we used to ferry him to swimming lessons and football matches. This morning, he drove me, and I just sat. I sat in the car, which is amazing. I've got a girl as well who's 18, just finished A-levels. My, my wife, Linda, uh, she's a teacher, maths teacher in a secondary school. Uh, don't tell her I said this, but it's still a, a rift in the family over the fact that she changed career and became a teacher. Because we agreed that when our children grow old to the stage where they leave university and ready to get married, we will take advantage of those cheap holidays in September and October. <laughs> and um, what did Linda do five years ago? She became a teacher. So now that's delayed for me until she retired. So the quality of life is significantly reduced for me <laughs> as a result of that. But we won't, that's a secret, just keep it, don't tell her because um, she doesn't like me mentioning it. Um, so this morning we are continuing in the series, Glorious, the character of God. And we've been looking at that for a while and I've listened to a few of the sermons that have been done and um, I've been given that bit to talk about His holiness. And today... Uh, the title of the talk is called simply Holy. And we've come to a holy place, uh, not because it's particularly uh, pure, but because God is here. And where God is, is a holy place. And I have sensed the presence of God here since I came. And as we worship more and more, I felt it intensely. And this morning I'm praying that uh, we will catch a glimpse again of the glory of God. And um, our text is taken from Isaiah. Uh, I believe it will be on the screen. Is Isaiah chapter 6. And it's the first um, three verses. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and a train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. 
And there is another text, just one verse in Luke chapter 5, verse 8. And it says this. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Uh, before we delve into um, the scriptures and that text that we have, um, I just wanted to just let you know that I'm still improving my English after 18 years, even though all of my education was done in English. But when I came about 18 years ago, I discovered that the English we spoke in Nigeria is different from the one you spoke here. Uh, my first job was as an administrator, and uh, I had to take minutes. This was after 10 years in the corporate world as a, um, a middle management. I had to humble myself to start again because I didn't have British experience. So I had to kind of humble myself, and I was an administrator. I was booking meeting rooms and taking minutes. And um, when uh, people uh, were speaking, it was a struggle for me. I had to be bold to say to them, can you slow down a little bit? And words like sodok, I don't know how come English spells sodok. When I saw sodok for the first time, I, I said, that is surely Southwark. How can you pronounce that sodok? Anyway, I survived and I had a good career uh, later on. So bear with me. So just follow the, uh, maybe the context of what I share. So if I say he when I meant to say she, is just a problem with my language. And my excuse is that you can't speak any of my language. So <laughs> give me a break. <laughs> In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah saw the Lord. And when I said that, saw that for the first time, Isaiah saw the Lord. We're talking about his holiness. We want to know what he looks like. And we want to understand how he is, what he thinks. And, and when Isaiah was describing it in this chapter, he spent the whole time describing the cherubim that he saw. And I was waiting. You know, first he said uh, he was seated on a throne. And then the, thre the train of his robe filled the temple. And then Isaiah went on to say, uh, above him were seraphims, which were angels. These were mighty beings. With two wings, they covered their faces. Two wings, they covered their feet. And with the other two, they were flying. And then I was saying, come on, Isaiah, come on. You saw the Lord. Tell me about the Lord, not all the things that surrounds him. And he went on and on. And then he said, the angels were calling out to one another, holy, holy is the Lord almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. In the Bible, there are at least three people that we know that saw the Lord. Moses uh, saw the Lord. He wanted to understand him. And God said, if you see my face, you know, you won't survive. So what I'll do, I'll hide you in the cliff of the rocks. And I will make my glory pass by you. And once I've passed, you can look at my back and see my glory. And Moses saw the glory of God. The effect of that was when he came down, his face shone. He hadn't seen the glory of God. There's a sense that you can't fully describe this God that we're talking about. He, the, his ways are higher than our ways as the heavens are higher than the earth. And everyone that has described him, I've described things around him, about him. But 
you know, it's difficult to accurately describe who he is. So Isaiah went for all of the majesty around him, all of the uh, enormous, big, wonderful thing that is difficult to describe. And he said this angels were just flying even the angels themselves who were there who were not earthly don't forget that this scene that we have just read about is isaiah is earthly and he's come into the heavenly courts so it's not supposed to be there it's like earth going into heaven experiencing having a glimpse of what it looks like in that place so isaiah finds himself in this heavenly holy place and he's trying to describe God because the first thing he says that I saw the Lord and then he started describing everything around him the throne the train of his glory and the majesty of the angels that are worshiping him and they were calling out holy holy there is a sense of the fact that we cannot fully describe God, but we have been invited to know him, to come into contact with him. We can know some things about him. And then much later, many, many centuries later, we see John in Revelation 1 and 4. He also, in the day of the Lord, in the spirit, was caught up into heaven and he said he saw the Lord. John gave a bit more description. I saw his face. The air on his head was golden. And, and he was describing the glory of God. He saw his feet. Uh, but yet there was something like John couldn't fully describe it. He was only saying it was like this because when you see the glory of God, you can only use what you know to describe what you're experiencing. There is a way that you cannot fully understand it, whether on this side of glory or when we get to heaven, there is a way that we can never fully understand God. He's massive, he's greater, he's wonderful, his knowledge is past searching out. He's not like any other God. All other gods are either created beings or are man-made. What a sad story that a man will carve out for himself a god from wood. The rest of the wood he will use to make fire. The rest of the wood he will use to build his house. The rest of the wood he will use to make utensils. And then he will carve out this image and say, you are my God. What a stupidity. And yet people do that today. How about other God, Mohammed, Buddha? All of them were born by man. They die. We have their grave today. We're talking about the eternal one who has no beginning, who has no ending. If you want to understand the beginning, you have to go to him. Because he says, I am the first and I am the last. In him, everything has their being. Everything consists. You can't understand the beginning without going to him. Because he is the one who has no beginning and who has no ending. We can't fully understand him. And yet... Isaiah is in this place and he says, I saw the Lord. My prayer is that we will see the Lord. We will catch a glimpse of his glory. I don't know whether you've ever had a vision before, 
but I have had two significant experiences in my life. One, when I was in uni back in Lagos, I remember it was time for lecture. I thought I was going to pray for a few minutes uh, at six o'clock before I head out for my lectures. And there I was, it was 9 a.m. and I was still praying. And it was 3 p.m. and I was still praying on my bed. And my bed was soaked with my sweat as I prayed. And I saw myself in a place that looks like hell. And I had a sword in my hand. And with that sword, I was cutting chains upon chains. And I couldn't stop. And, and I was cutting chains. And I had an impression in my heart that deliverance was going on somehow. I don't know who I was praying for. I don't know who God was delivering through my time of fellowship. But it was vivid. I was in that place, not affected by the fire, but setting people free. Not me, but the Lord doing it. It was clear to me. This is more than 30 years ago, and it's still very vivid when I describe it. It's the vision, a glimpse of what God can do through human beings. I saw the Lord, Isaiah said. I pray that we will our minds will comprehend the Lord when we go in our scriptures. And yours may not be a vision like mine. Yours may be an impression. Yours may be just a word that sinks in your soul. You read the Bible again and suddenly something jumps out at you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is helping you to understand and comprehend the word that you are reading. And suddenly on the pages of the Bible, you see the Lord. You see his glory. Our mind and our heads is too small to comprehend the power of this God. But I want to say that it is possible that we see the Lord. It is possible that we catch a glimpse of his glory. That happened in this worship place today. God's already spoken to many of you about that worry that you carry. And God will say, it's okay, my son. I know you're going through a rough patch and I will be with you. I will see you through to the other end. My prayer is that we all regularly will see something of the glory of God. Amen. What does holy mean? Holy means not only purity. That's what comes to our mind when we talk about the word holy. But it means more than purity. It also means unique, as we've been talking about. God is unique. is one of a kind. There is no other kind of him. So when you want to describe him, you can only describe him with things that you know, but those things that you know is not adequate enough. When the Bible says like, it's a type. We don't have the full capacity or faculty to describe him. And even the Angels, the seraphims, they could only just keep crying, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. I had, I had a preacher once describe it like this, that in heaven, those angels, as they are worshiping God, you know, that they would just catch a glimpse of another aspect of his glory and they just burst out and say, holy, holy, you're worthy, Lord, to be praised. And isn't it the same with us that all of a sudden we just capture this image of God. Uh, I remember John uh, and Peter and James, when they went to the Mount of Transfiguration, this is Jesus, their friend, their bloke, they ate together. They had barbecue on the beach together. They were friends. And there was a, a, a sense of these are 
he's a man like us. And suddenly, in the mountain of transfiguration, there Jesus was, revealed in his full glory. And suddenly, Peter said, wow, wow. It's good for us to be here, not to go back home. He had a wife waiting at home, and he wanted to make tents to just stay there. That's something of the glory of God. Church, I pray that we may see the Lord, that we may see him in the fullness of his glory, that we may appreciate all over again, because sometimes the truth is we get over familiar. We get over familiar. We think about our position as God's children, as sons and daughters. That's true. Sometimes I pray that we will catch a glimpse of him as the creator, the mighty God that he is, the one that we don't just come to willy-nilly, that there is no over-familiarity that brings contempt, that every time again we see this holy God, we say, wow, wow, what an amazing God. And this is what happened with Peter when in that place we read in Luke, when Peter, you know, all night they had labored, not caught any fish. And Jesus said, go again, just go again. And they went again. Now the harvest was so much, bear in mind, Jesus was no fisherman. He had no experience. Experienced fishermen said, it's not a good day for fishing. And Jesus said, go anyway. And when they caught so much, it filled one boat, it filled the other, the net was breaking. They were amazed. They shouted, wow, what a God. It's the God that makes you just gobsmacked by the things that he does. I remember I used to work with the Care Quality Commission until 2015. And uh, I had a call that I should, I've been leading the church since 2010, and I had a sense that God wanted me to give up my job to uh, come into full-time ministry. And the maths didn't work. Uh, my salary was very good. I knew the church will not be able to afford it. If, if at all, they'd probably be able to afford 50% of that. We had a big mortgage. I had young children, and God started making a way. And by the end of it, when God said, that's what I want you to do, I did. And now, um, five years into it, we've not gone hungry. The holidays, I thought we would have to shave off because now we're 50% short. We have been able to go on holiday. Even during the pandemic, when we were allowed to, we managed to, ski, to, to, to fix in a, a small trip to Cyprus. It's a beautiful country, by the way, if you've not been. Our God is good. He can wow you every single day. Uh, but that was not all, the only sense of what Isaiah had. Uh, in verse 4, he says, uh, At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. And then, in verse 5, we read these words. Isaiah said, Woe to me, I cried. I'm ruined for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. 
The interesting thing about Isaiah is that in the verses before, he has been crying in war. He's been crying war, but war not to him. War to the nations. War to the wicked one. War to those who amass field and wealth. War to those who are wicked, who do not regard God, who've turned their faces against God. Obviously, Isaiah is not any of those things. He is a holy man. He's a prophet. But in the presence of the Holy One, Isaiah didn't think about the war to other people. He thought about himself. And this is the beauty of it. His holiness exposes our uncleanness. The holiness of God exposed the uncleanness of Isaiah, even though comparatively he was a holy man amongst his people. He could talk down to them, not talk down, but he could point out those things that are wrong in their lives. And it will be correct. Because those things are things that he doesn't see in himself. But as holy as he was, in the presence of God, he says, Whoa, I am a man of unclean lips. It means that the best of man is still a man. Still full of uncleanness, especially when you compare yourself to the glory of God. What people do is compare ourselves with ourselves. You can say, I'm better than that person, or that person is better than me. But when you come into the presence of the Holy One, in comparison to him, Isaiah said, I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. The righteousness of God, the holiness of God exposes his uncleanness. And it's not a reason to run away from him. Rather, it's a reason to run close to him. It's amazing to me, as I was studying about this, I noticed that in Genesis, a pattern was established. And the pattern is this. God created everything and he said it was good. And by the time he created, the woman said it was very good. I knew the women would share about that. <laughs> and then the enemy came in chapter 3 and polluted what was good. And one of the questions I always struggle with is, how was it possible that the enemy can enter into what God has done and now corrupt it? We now see good, we now see holy, we now see righteousness corrupted by evil. And from Genesis 3, that pattern continued. We had holy men in the Bible. We have people like Moses, we have people like Samuel, and they all tried their best. We had Joshua. We had many, many people, but they were still men. David, the man after the heart of God, he was still a man. And iniquity was found in him. It is the pattern that was set from the fall that continued so that when a pure thing touches an impure thing, the impurity transfers, the impure transfers its impurity onto the pure. And this pattern continued until our Savior came. Hallelujah. Are you not grateful for Jesus? Jesus. What an amazing God. He went about touching lepers 
and he didn't contact any of the leprosy. It was Jesus that came and destroyed permanently the effect and the power of sin and evil. And even though we still have evil around us, but the essence of the fact that you had no choice, you had no power over it, that's been broken. Because in Jesus and union with Jesus, when we stand side by side with him, the Holy Spirit in the inside, the Bible says these two are fighting against each other. But when you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the deeds of the flesh. That's not a command. It's a promise. It becomes impossible for the flesh to come. Jesus did that. But before Jesus did, Isaiah showed us a glimpse because he says, as he cried, woe is me. Then one of the seraphims flew to me with a life coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongues from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Do you see this? It's a glimpse of the pure touching the corrupted and the corrupted cannot transfer its impurity to it. Rather, it's the other way around. God's purity now is transferred to Isaiah and Isaiah is now free and sent out to the world to go and do the same. And this is the mission of the church. This is the mission that we have. This is the mission that has been given to us, Hope Church. So that when we come in contact with God, we see his wonders, we cry, wow, what a wonderful God. And as Isaiah was just imagining the, the seraphims flying around, and then suddenly he dawned on him how unholy he is, and then he said, whoa, it's me. And then after the cold touch his lips, see, worship God. And there is a sense that we need to be captivated by that wow of God. And then we see his glory and we see our smallness and we say, whoa, is us. And then suddenly from where we're kneeling, there is a worship that rises up in us because God has given us the victory and sin has been defeated. And we lift up our hands and say, holy, holy, Lord God almighty. He's the one who was and is to come. The life call. Incorruptible purity touches impurity and is not corrupted by it. That's the essence of the church being in the world and not part of the world. That we, because the Holy Spirit is in us, we're transferring that grace into the rest of the world so that they also can see the Lord and come to him. God's glory, God's holiness does not only expose our unrighteousness, it transforms our lives, changes us from within. I'm not saying that there is no struggle that goes on. If you're, if you're, if you're true, you will acknowledge that. If any pastor, if Steve or myself, or Guy Miller, or the Pope, or the Archbishop, say to you that they are sinless men, and they have overcome sin permanently, and there is no struggle in their life, just know that that is a lie. 
Everyone goes through this struggle on this side of glory. Everyone. But the truth of the matter is we don't have to be defeated by it. Jesus went through the struggle. He wasn't defeated by it. The devil came to tempt him three times, but he did not succeed. The essence of Christianity is that we have everything we need for godliness, like Peter says, so that we will say no to unrighteousness all the time. We can lead a victorious Christian life all the time. But we will sleep sometimes. Of course we will. But when we sleep, the Bible says, if we confess our sins. Wonderful. He is faithful and just to forgive us all our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So evil does not have that permanent hold. And like the river of Ezekiel in Ezekiel 47, it says that there was a water flowing from the temple out. It was ankle deep. It was knee deep. And then it became a river and it flowed right across. Everything it touches becomes life comes alive again. It's a picture of the church coming out from our holy assembly, infiltrating our community with the holiness of God and not corrupted by it. That is the point. That is the point of this Isaiah's vision that Jesus is like that life call. It's transformed our lives. And as we walk with the spirit, we will not be corrupted by it. I have a lot more to say, but my time is gone. I, I, I do hope that you catch a glimpse of this. My prayer, my prayer is this, that we will not run away from the holiness of God because the purpose of it is to reveal our unrighteousness and then not leave us where we are in our woe to transform it. So if you want to be closer to God, like James says, draw near to God and it will draw near to you, it's not to run away from his holiness. Moses saw the burning bush, he drew near and his life was not ever the same. It is scary. It is, there's a sense of woe in it. But in the end, it starts with woe. I mean, wow, it there is a war in there that, oh, I'm undone and it's not, it's not possible. How, how can I be here? My life is ruined. But it ends in worship. And like Isaiah said in Isaiah 60, we are the, a display people. And in Isaiah 61, it goes on the oaks of righteousness for the display of his pleasure. That's what we are. And you can look at your life and say, well, I don't feel holy right now. I just feel rubbish and I can't influence anybody. There's a lot going on in my life. But God says, you are a holy nation, a peculiar people. That's another sense of holiness that you are separated for his use. And the more you draw close to him, the more he purifies you. Your impurity cannot nullify God's holiness. And God's holiness is so pure that your unrighteousness, you know, comes in contact with it, and suddenly you're transformed by the glory of God. Who wants to draw near this morning? Oh, I thought I'll see more hands than that. Oh, I've done a rubbish job of presenting this God. Who wants to draw close to this God that we serve? 
Hallelujah. Let's all rise up. I don't know whether the worship team will come. And in the midst of the worship, I just want you to say, call, living call, just touch my life. And let me experience what that preacher is saying. I didn't get most of the things he said, but I want to just be changed. I want to be transformed by you. I want your Holy Spirit to come. Can we just do that? Let's lift up our voices and just worship together as we enjoy his presence. Amen. God bless you.